Welcome to UUCSW Reflections, a podcast by the Unitarian Universalist Congregational Society of Westboro, Massachusetts. We're glad you're here. Welcome to UUCSW Reflections. I'm your host, Amanda Hall, here with Reverend Laurel Gray. This is the monthly episode of this podcast where we reflect on this month's sermons and answer questions from the congregation. If you'd like to submit a question, please email it to podcasts at uucsw.org or drop it in the suggestion box in the sanctuary. Be sure to say which sermon your question is about. Don't worry, we won't share the names or identifying information about question askers on this podcast. March's theme was wisdom, and in this episode, we'll be discussing the sermons Embodied Wisdom, The Wisdom of Trees, and The Wisdom of Kindness, all of which can be found in this podcast feed. Hi, Laurel. Hi. It's nice to hear your voice, even though we're doing this at safe distance. Our church has gone through a little bit of upheaval lately. It has, as has the whole world. Yeah. We've done three remote services. I think so. And there's actually a sermon that was never delivered anywhere except on this podcast feed, The Wisdom of Trees. Correct. It is our most listened to episode. People have tuned in to hear that. So that's good news. I have to say that when I was looking at the Embodied Wisdom script, I found myself getting so overwhelmed with responses and feelings, but they all came down to mostly like, yes, absolutely, this 100%. (laughs) The wisdom of the body is something that I have personally been spending a lot of time listening to and paying attention to. But I know that that is not necessarily typical in our culture. Yes, you're right. You're very right about that especially in a religious context. There's certain social forces that tell us overriding our embodied wisdom is morally superior. Avoiding the sin of the body, that language is Mm -hmm. both in churches and in diet programs. Capitalism tells us to wake up and be productive. Right. Even if we're too tired to or too sick to. We see that right now, right? Pretend everything's fine and just keep working at the same speed. Which doesn't actually work. Yeah. How have you noticed that happening in this time in our world? I think there has been this dissonance where there's a sense that everything's fine and we're just doing our work from home. There's that move and like now is the time to be super productive. I'll admit I have a certain degree of that too because it is so ingrained culturally. But then there's the reality that we're going through a global pandemic and everything is different. I mean, I just went to the grocery store and it was wild. And to think that we can continue functioning at the same rate when we're going through this much stress and feeling it in our bodies and getting sick and experiencing grief and all these other things just really is not reasonable. It seems like people are starting to realize that that doesn't work. So I've seen more and more people like on social media commenting about how this isn't you know, working from home under normal circumstances. This is everybody's stuck at home because of social distancing and a pandemic. And then we're doing our best to survive and do what we can, which is simply different from normal circumstances. I think it's becoming a little bit more clear to people. It was interesting because after I gave this sermon, I've gotten basically polar opposite responses from different people. There's the group of people like you who are totally on board and I was sort of preaching to the choir and then there were people who told me that they had no idea what the sermon was about and they didn't know what they were supposed to get from it which was really interesting and shows this 
cultural dissonance. And part of the reason why I thought it was really important to talk about the body, especially as a clergy person in a church, is exactly where you started. That mostly when we talk about the body in religious spaces, it's that the body is sinful and sexuality is sinful or needs to be contained. It's all these really negative and silencing messages. And so from my vantage point as a clergy person and as a religious leader, it's really important for me to say the opposite of that and to talk about bodies openly. And even I do that every week when we do the time of prayer and meditation, where I ask people to pay attention to how their bodies feel, because having a physical form is part of the reality of being alive, and we have to pay attention to it. You made reference to The Body Keeps the Score, which is a book that talks about the cumulative effects on the body of lived experience, including trauma. I think that is really interesting right now in the context of this current pandemic. The death rates are different in groups that historically have worse health outcomes in general. And there's obviously a huge number of factors that go into that. But there's also, I don't think it's possible to discount the cumulative trauma of oppression. Exactly. Right, right. And there's something called intergenerational trauma too, which is part of it when every ancestor that you have has been oppressed and traumatized, that lives in your body still. And so you're exactly right that that has a very different impact on people's health and well-being. Yeah, so I think paying attention to what the body remembers and what the body knows and Mm -hmm. what the body keeps records of is incredibly Mm -hmm. tied up with our call to social justice as a EU congregation. So I'd like to move to the wisdom of trees. It seemed to me like the main thesis was about mutual flourishing. Trees are incredibly interconnected in the way that they thrive or not, and obviously so are we. I have to admit that for me, being raised in a culture with an incredibly individualistic doctrine, relying on other people can feel really vulnerable and undermining the sense of control that we have over our own destiny. How would you go about framing that interconnectedness as a source of strength? rather than a vulnerability and a weakness. Oh, interesting. I would say that vulnerability is not the same as weakness, and we're uncomfortable with vulnerability, but that it's actually a really good and powerful thing. The trying to operate in this sort of sense of individualism That is a weak system because it's sort of like the single point of failure and it's disconnected from the reality that how we operate does affect each other. But that's a hard facade to drop because we are told so regularly. I mean, we live in a culture that is incredibly individualistic and letting go of that is really humbling, I think, and is feels super vulnerable because We lose the sense that we're in control of everything, when in reality, we were never in control of everything to begin with. And so I think it's it's sort of staggering in both frightening and beautiful ways, which I think is honestly a lot of what's been going on recently is it's like suddenly we've all remembered that we're connected and what we do actually affects each other. And this whole like flattening the curve is something that only works if everybody cooperates together which is totally counter to American culture, right? And at the same time, it feels like we're learning in our bodies right now and in the way that we move through the world that our flourishing is only mutual and collective. And 
we have to all really think about how we operate, not only in the interest of our own safety and well-being, but in the interest of everybody's safety and well-being. I, I remember I saw some kind of meme or tweet about people trying to buy out all the hand sanitizer and their response that like, you realize you need everybody to be washing their hands, so hoarding it isn't helpful because this is a collective, it's herd immunity. It's not like I'm gonna take it all so that I have it and then I'm safe. Maybe that works with toilet paper, but it does not work with hand washing because we're seeing how we're all connected and how for any of us to be safe and well, we all need to cooperate in that. Which I think is a lot of the grief and vulnerability right now is I think partially that facade of individuality and safety is falling for a lot of people because suddenly our well-being and our health is not something that's individually controlled. But like you say, it never was. Right, it never was, but we thought it was. And the thinking it is feels really comfortable. The thinking we're in control feels really nice because then we're immune to anything bad happening, which is also why a lot of people deny other people's suffering because you want to think it's their own fault because that means it will never happen to you. It is uncomfortable to unknit that. Yeah, it's incredibly uncomfortable. So then, I mean, we talk about resiliency and self-efficacy being interwoven. So how do we maintain Mm -hmm. that sense of self-efficacy while also recognizing that we don't control ourselves as an island? So I think a big part of it is remembering that we're not the whole system, but we are absolutely part of it. And so we're not in control and what we do absolutely matters which is sort of a paradox when we've been conditioned to think as, you know, what I do matters if I'm in control, as if they're sort of one and the same. But, you know, all of this collective change doesn't work if everybody does it individually. So we're sort of only in control altogether, but never on our own. I think another thing that is being exposed right now is the depth of our reliance on the food system and other essential services working invisibly in the background. Somehow things are just have just been magically available for obviously not everyone. There is inequitable access to resources, even in the richest of countries. But the availability of everything can right. become taken for granted very easily. And it's very easy to forget right. the line of people who were involved in creating and transporting that thing to you. Being able to see that web and especially to see it now because it has the potential to be threatened. This is a very frightening context in which to be hit over the head with our interreliance. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that's where I said, like, it feels like we're finally remembering that we're all connected and we're seeing it because I think when you when you take it for granted, that's when you don't see it, right? That's It's like power is more visible when you don't have it, when you're not the person in a position of power. And I think all these these resources and, and things that we take for granted become visible when we can't take them for granted anymore. And that's both scary and I hope that we realize the sort of things that are fundamentally essential for communal life and and don't take those things for granted as much. Yeah, that leads me to a question that someone else asked me, which is what do you hope we collectively learn from this? That's a really good question. I think I hope that we learn to live like it matters that we're connected. 
and that our flourishing is mutual and everybody is necessary. I hope that this communal disconnect, that we can be individuals and we, I don't know, I, ho- I hope that that is really starting to fall. And I think we're, I think we're, or at least I hope we're starting to see how much it matters that we feel connected. Not only are we seeing all the ways that we are in really functional ways, but I think we're learning to see how much it matters being able to like say hi to your neighbor or, you know, go out into the world and feel feel physically safe. And I hope we're also learning how capable we are of cooperating because I think that's something that we haven't necessarily seen a lot of in our country. There's so much divisiveness. And I hope that in this, there's some degree of equalizing and remembering that we are actually capable of doing things together. I mean, it was incredibly heartening, I must say. The week that the board and I met to decide to physically close the church's doors, that was all before there were any kind of mandates. And it was really powerful for me seeing the number of organizations that were opting to close in the interest of protecting the most vulnerable when there wasn't any kind of mandate. And that to me is a really beautiful testament to our capacity to love each other and to cooperate and to remember all the ways that we're connected and to care for each other in really physical, tangible ways. That to me gave me a lot of hope in all of this. I think we're remembering how much we're connected and that is, I think, something we've needed to remember for a long time. Well, I can't think of a better way to close than that. (laughs) So I just want to say I'm sending out hope to everybody and I feel connected to you all. Yeah, likewise. And be well, wash your hands and sign into eChurch if you need a little dose of connection and a little more, I don't know, of people outside of your physical home unit. We're all in this together for sure. Thanks for listening. For more information about what's happening at UUCSW or for ways to get involved, visit us online at uucsw.org or visit us in person. All are welcome. 